how to improve sustainability in the poultry sector and measure the progress that is made. That is what we are going to discuss in this episode of Future Feed Talks. My name is Iris Hoffman and I'm editor for Poultry World. Next to me is Ivo Landsbergen, president of DSM Vermenich Animal Nutrition and Health. Hi Ivo, nice to see you again. We spoke at the World Nutrition Forum a couple of months ago. Uh, we discussed data and sustainability, um, mostly like about all the nutrition. If we're looking at poultry, uh, this poultry industry, um, how are they doing? Uh, like if you look at sustainability. I think the good news actually on poultry is probably one of the, the most efficient animal proteins you can actually imagine. So from just the, the point of view of, of, of a bird being able to convert feed, you would have um, a head start, of course, compared to, for example, beef as an animal protein. So that is a really good starting point. Doesn't mean that we can't really change or actually improve further, absolutely. Um, I think one of the big topics actually is nitrogen, for example. Uh, you and me, we are from the, the low countries uh, mm -hmm. and we all know about the nitrogen dilemma. Uh, and I think that's one of the, uh, the issues. So uh, can we and shall we actually further improve? Absolutely. So you have a topic of emissions, environmental footprint on a local uh, perspective, but also, of course, on a global perspective. CO2 is having a global impact. Mm -hmm. And there we still actually need to make further uh, step ups because yeah, it actually touches livelihoods, livelihoods of farmers, uh, as we know, um, because farmers are just being asked really to stop uh, their, their farming practices. Of course, primarily at the moment in Netherlands uh, for mm. dairy, but also poultry farmers are actually subject to it. So um, I think it's a very important topic uh, for local biodiversity, for global warming, climate change, etc. And here we just have a, a role to play. So uh, where are we? I think good progress. Still a lot to do. And do you think we should look more local or more global? Um, I would actually say it's uh, it's very much farm by farm, so more local. Um, so you can come up with all kind of initiatives, of course. We need to develop global technologies which are available actually globally, but of course implementable on the local level. And why do I say that? Because if a kind of environmental footprint is very determined actually on a local basis, on the feed composition and the environment actually there locally as well. So you need to really start translating um, the environment, the local environment into, of course, the assessment you do. And then, of course, the measures you have to take, but based on global experiences, global tools, technologies. Exactly. Yeah. And I saw a presentation of you. Uh, you were talking about three pillars, uh, yeah. protect, perform and What's the third one again? Prevent. Prevent, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this how, was a test. <laughs> it, was, it was a test for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you promote that to the poultry sector? No, it's, it's very much uh, applicable, of course, for poultry in, in, in general, um, because then you come back again to sustainability and also performance. So uh, what I stated actually in my, uh, in my introduction, for me, sustainability is all about affordable protein, uh, of course, the economics for a farmer. So I making an income, but also making sure that we're not going to destroy the environment. So these, these topics, these themes are very much touching one of those three. Either we talk about affordable protein, i.e. Uh, it becomes actually uh, lowering cost for the consumers, or it generates better income for the farmer, or it actually touches even on the environment, or sometimes even all three. Mm -hmm. So uh, these themes are very much applicable, I would say, for all three sustainability topics at the same time. So concrete examples, we have, um, uh, of course, ingredients like feed enzymes. Mm -hmm. They actually improve the efficiency of feed. We have a concrete example of mycotoxin uh, risk management uh, products where you can still use feed 
without the risk of actually impacting the health of your animals and therefore not having a, a negative impact on the income of a farmer, etc. So we have these kind of products which make a direct impact on those three topics of sustainability. How do you translate that to the industry? How do I translate that um, is by making it very uh, concrete. So if you talk about a, uh, a mycotoxin risk management, you translate this into economics. Mm -hmm. um, but also I, we talked about earlier today, this morning as well, about precision services. So uh, we need to really make clear to the industry, to, to the producers, why is it relevant and why would it be good actually for them as well? What's the impact? So I talk about a tool like Sustel. Uh, and that doesn't come for free. Yeah? So mm -hmm. people have to pay for it because at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of research gone in there, a lot of development, etc. Can you explain a little bit what it is? Yeah, so Sustel is a, um, is a, a footprinting tool. Um, so it actually allows you to make a footprint on a farm level and see where you are. Yeah? So farms typically, they read in the newspaper that the source is all, all evil, they, they create all kinds of emissions. And you go to the farmer and, and you say, okay, what is your emission profile? No idea. So it starts with measuring first what's happening on the farm level. And then once you start measuring, you can start acting. Because without any data, it becomes very difficult. Now, that's a tool, that's a service we actually developed. Uh, and of course, we are selling that service. Mm -hmm. So then the question, of course, from yourself is, okay, that's nice, but how do you sell that? Uh, very simple, or simple, it's not that simple. Um, the, the, the demands actually from the downstream players, uh, it's the, the processors, the retailers, etc. they are just increasing. Um, and you see that the differentiation is not only going to be on price anymore, it's not going to be only on quality, it's also going to be about helping those players to meet their environmental targets. So they made commitments, 30% uh, less emissions, 50%, etc. whatever the commitment was of those players. They need to be able to actually live up to those commitments. And they can only do this if poultry farmers, producers, are indeed lowering the, their footprint. And for that, you need to be able to measure. And that's, of course, the, the clear kind of the value proposition of Sustel, but it's also the value proposition of many other products. So you need to start translating this in very concrete uh, numbers at the end of the day, what it will actually mean for that producer. And it becomes even more concrete nowadays. Uh, although I can't really give now a concrete example on poultry, uh, but recently yeah. we had one actually from Aqua. Um, and in Aqua, we, uh, there was a player, Almar. It's, um, they are, they're actually an Ecuadorian shrimp farmer. They got access to better credit terms based on environmental footprinting. So simply by measuring the footprint and then have a program to lower the footprint further, they got access to better credit terms. So the environmental side of it actually then is being translated immediately into money. Yeah. And yeah, at the end of the day, that, that is what's gonna gonna change the world, I think. Exactly. And you already said you could you can't give me a concrete example right now in the poultry uh, farming industry. I can, but I'm oh. not allowed. Oh, you're not allowed. Okay. Because there's secrecy agreements in, ah. on this, uh, so there's only so much in the in the public space I could talk about, and uh, we signed a confidentiality agreement. Exactly. And um, but there's maybe still a lot to gain in the poultry yeah. sector with da with data. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because we are right at the uh, at the start. Uh, I would say. Uh, I think the whole sustainability drive and everything what's going going on here, um, it's a little bit still in its infancy. We had a lot of talk about sustainability and I think a lot of companies actually already worked on sustainability. Um, so it's not that we are starting now working on sustainability, but giving it a face and making it more visible and transparent, 
I think that that is starting to come up now. Why? Because of course SBTI uh, starts playing up as uh, science-based targets, but also the commitments, and you see uh, the political landscape also just starting uh, to act here as well. So sustainability has been there. Um, let's face it, a lot of companies they actually worked on it. But if you then ask, and by how much did you improve, or how much are you better versus let's say the average, that's when producers start to struggle, and that's exactly I think the phase we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah, and we see also that the rising prices, yeah. Um, yeah. the delivery delays, for yeah. instance. Um, yeah. Do you think uh, that it's harder for the poultry producers to focus on being sustainable? Yeah. Because of that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I totally uh, totally see that. So if you look into the, the short-term kind of position, of course, where feed costs actually went through the roof. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, then at one point you are more in a survival mode than anything else because you don't really create the income. Then sustainability becomes a bit of, yeah, behind and, and, and not the focus area of that day. Uh, my message is, uh, I think, fair, because if the water is above your lip, then at one point you're survival mode. But don't forget the longer term perspective either. So I think those companies which are getting their act together, they will be the ones truly surviving also in the longer term, not only in the short term. So, uh, but it's absolutely squeeze we're all in. Um, so if your profits are going down, your income is going down or even negative, yeah, then at one point, of course, you have to go for the short term. Yeah. Um, but I think things are turning to the better. Mm -hmm. Feed prices are coming down. Um, of course, animal protein, egg prices, but also broiler prices, etc. They've been going up actually because of the feed. So hopefully, uh, producers are able to retain a little bit of that margin and actually start become profitable again, allowing them to invest again in the sustainability side of it. And if we're looking at that protein gap, how do you think we can fill that up? Now, uh, the protein gap is, I think, definitely a, a big dilemma we're all facing, uh, I think. Um, so um, with a rising population, with supply being somewhat restricted, of course, it's still going to grow, but it's not going to be able to keep up versus the rising population. It's not that the population is going to grow by 25% in the next 25 years. Mm. We don't have 25% more landmass to produce crop and all kinds of proteins. So we need to do something different. And so there, I think it's going to be in combination of new technologies. Um, I presented that earlier uh, today as like insect protein, for example, single cell proteins, cultured meat. Uh, but also we need to work on efficiency in animal protein, but also in crop farming. So it's not just going to be one golden bullet and the silver bullet is going to do this. No, uh, it's going to be a combination of many things. But it is a concern because the rising population will actually create more demand. And more demand with a let's say a supply which is not able to keep up, will only mean one thing, and that means rising food prices. And we've seen that actually the, uh, the impact um, two years ago, one and a half years ago, um, that can actually create a lot of disturb disturbances, uh, social unrest, because I think in the Western world, in North America, et cetera, the income levels there are relatively okay. Um, but if you then go to other parts of the world, then it becomes a kind of a, a survival mode. Yeah. If you don't, are you not able to buy your bread or your, your staple foods, then it becomes a, a real primary need uh, topic. And that's why I'm a bit concerned that that, that that gap, that needs to be filled. But you have to do it through technology. And you say it's insect, cellular, um, mm -hmm. what do single you- Single cell proteins. Yeah, yeah. single yeah. cell proteins. Yeah. Um, is there one that jumps out that is like, the, the one that has the most promise? Or do you think it's all working together? 
I think it's all worked mm. together, and I think it's uh, it's in a different maturity stage. I think insect proteins have been around already a little bit longer. Um, and they have advantages, disadvantages, like any of them. Uh, um, cultured meat is clearly also has been around, but we all know that one of the elements there is the price, the cost it's, level. It's still in the testing phase. It's still now. in the testing phase, so they need to go through that curve. Um, but there's a lot of money actually being, being invested in, in that space. So they're going through that curve quite rapidly. And we've seen that actually in other technologies happening as well, whether it's uh, in the chip industry or other technologies where they really went through the curve and at one point it becomes commonplace. Could well happen actually with cultured meat as well. It's a matter of belief whether that's going to happen or not. I'm not the expert here, but I could well imagine that that curve is going to indeed bring us to the point that it becomes affordable. Uh, single cell proteins, I think, is a um, is a very interesting subject because it's been around since 1910, 20s actually. So it's not a new technology in any shape or form. It was already created as a as a, a source for protein in times when there was actually the blockade of of Germany in the First World War. Uh, so they start working actually on single cell proteins um, to feed their population. So it's not a new technology at all. But what has happened in the meantime, of course, is te technology went up, uh, strain development, uh, yield efficiency, et cetera. So the cost thereof, you can actually now start lowering quite significantly, that's number one. But also another element came into play because back then, environment didn't really play a role. Now it does play a role. So if you are able to, to make a single cell protein based on CO2, nitrogen, which we have too much of, and start using that as a building block to feed your single cell protein, yeah, you could be on something. So I also uh, would say, yeah, keep an eye on that one. Whoever is listening, um, keep an eye on that one as well, because I think it is an interesting development. And yeah, one way or another, we need those technologies to fill that gap. And to sum it all up, what would be your message to the poultry industry and producers? Yeah, um, I have a few messages here. Number one, <laughs> number one is um, don't wait for the inevitable to happen. Uh, start acting now. Um, so that's that's quite an important one because it's, it is around the corner. See many companies, also DSM Firmini, but many other stock listed companies, we've made commitments uh, towards lowering our footprint. And we are dependent, of course, also on poultry farms, poultry producers to do this. So those poultry farms and producers who are getting their act together um, and actually are able to, to feed that need I think they will be winning, that's number one. And number two, um, I think we can keep on, of course, and we need to actually work on efficiency, uh, new products, etc. but do not underestimate the impact of data. Data will be the next frontier in poultry farming and animal protein production in general. Well, thank you very much, Ivo. It was a pleasure to have you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Future Feed Talks. Don't miss the next episode and subscribe to this channel. We are also available on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. If you want to check out the video as well, click on the link in the description.